This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. You can reach me at mhs at altamontenterprise.com. I'm talking to Anna Judge and Louisa Matthew. They realize we live in an ageist and sexist society, but with generous spirits, they are paddling against the current. The mother-daughter duo together coach a crew of dragon boat paddlers. The 40-foot-long boats have a history rooted in ancient China and became popular in the United States for women who survived breast cancer. Louisa Matthew is an art professor at Union College. Anna Judge, her daughter, is a certified personal trainer who led her mother into the sport. Let's just start by hearing, first of all, from one of you, what is a dragon boat? I'll I'll start with that one, and I'll let Anna talk a little bit later, probably, about um, how we got started. The dragon boat is a 40-foot-long, very narrow racing boat that became standardized in the 20th century, but it's based on a thousands year old uh, Chinese tradition of racing on the big rivers in China. The origins are a little bit obscure. Um, It may have had something to do with a harvest festival, but it's become a worldwide racing sport. The boat, the 40 foot boat has 10 seats. It holds 20 paddlers, two to a seat. It has a steers person in the stern, the back of the boat, and it has usually has a drummer in the bow, the front of the boat. There is now a 30 foot long version, which holds 10 paddlers. And we happen to have both sizes of boats um, with our team. Wow. What what a long boat. I used to row crew. We had just eight oars women. Right, and right. similar, I guess, to your drummer, um, we had a coxswain who would shout out directions. And But you're facing the other way. Yeah, right. So you're, you're rowing faces backwards. We face forward. So we're actually paddling. Actually, Anna can say something about how the sport got to North America. How it has an interesting history. How how did that happen, Anna? Well, I don't <clears throat> I don't know that I know all that many specifics, but I just you know it's the national sport of China, um, so it's quite big in Asia and has um, subsequently spread to Australia, New Zealand, Europe, very big in Canada, and then came down to the United States. So it's sort of s- slowly spreading throughout the U.S. Um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure how it came over. Just yeah. Well, sure. about the breast cancer connection though through Vancouver because that's sure, really yeah. Um, you know, many many years ago, and probably still is the case. Um, breast cancer survivors are told either when in treatment or post treatment to limit their exercise. You know, due to things like edema, etc. And to not ever um, do anything strenuous. And so a lot of people, a lot of survivors have, um, you know, listened to that kind of bad advice. And then there was a doctor out in British Columbia who really um, 
wanted to show breast cancer survivors that that's not in fact the case and that they should actually be moving and be active um, and very much using their bodies and that it could um, not only impact them in a positive way physically, but also emotionally and spiritually um, so that they could find, you know, like-minded or like people that were going through the same experience and join a team and do something great like dragon boating. And it's caught on. And so now there's an officially a, a breast cancer division um, in the U.S. Um, and internationally. Um, so they're able to compete as well. Um, and it's just something really positive for, um, you know, survivors to do together. Um, and to experience together either during treatment or post-treatment. Um, so that's been a really great thing. I did uh, my thesis um, when I was graduating from Skidmore on the, the effects of the sport of dragon boating on breast cancer survivors. Um, it was pretty neat. And it's been a really big positive, there's been a really big positive impact on the breast cancer community in Burlington, Vermont, which is where I got involved in the sport because my stepmom is a survivor and uh, when she and six other people started Dragonheart Vermont, a team um, on Lake Champlain, it was kind of unheard of in the area. And so now they have probably, I don't know, well over 200 members. And um, there's also another team there as well. So it's pretty neat. That is pretty neat. Pretty neat. The person that urged me to get in touch with the two of you is herself a cancer survivor and doesn't row, I almost said wrote paddles um, with your dragon boats. And she said just what you said. It's made such a difference for her psychologically and emotionally, you know, being part of a team. And I just wonder, could you unpack a little of what you found in your thesis at Skidmore? Um, what, because I know from being in crew, one of the things I loved about it was there were no stars, like in most sports, you know? The the beauty of it came in all working together. Yeah. The more together you were, the better your whole boat was. <laughs> and I just wondered, like, what did your thesis find? What, what did you discover in your research? Well, I think the biggest thing is, is just that um, a disease such as breast cancer can be extremely isolating for somebody. Um, you know, it's a very terrifying thing to go through um and the tendency is to isolate um and not really reach out and sort of deal with things on one's own or just in their immediate family and so he, upon hearing this doctor you know saying it's great to go out and get physical exercise it's good for you both mentally and physically um i think it's been a really the positive impact has come from kind of bringing people out of the, that isolation and bonding together and having, um, you know, equal roles in the boat and really, you know, one, everybody contributes to the boat. Um, and there's a real sense of team and ship. And I think that that's done wonders for people that, you know, have attended, you know, to who are going through something as significant as a disease, um, like breast cancer. So um, yeah. they can really support each other and band together. And um, yeah, like you just said, there's no stars. It's really all about team. And yeah, it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat to watch. So Louisa, how did you get involved in this? How, how, how did dragon involved. boating come involved to you? Because my daughter 
dragged me up to Burlington and said, you have to try the sport. So and I figured, well, that will be fun. There's no way I could, it would ever, we don't have any in Albany. So there's no way I'm going to continue this, but I'm, I'm going to go anyway. And I loved it. And after literally two times in a dragon boat in my whole life, we went to a training camp in Florida where all we did was paddle for a whole week. I was absolutely terrified, but I actually survived it, and I've been hooked ever since. And interestingly enough, there was a team that started just about that time in Capital District, which is a, a breast cancer survivor team, which was the first one here, and they're still operating. That's called Hope in the Boat. In 2012, Hope in the Boat decided to restrict their membership only to breast cancer survivors, not to supporters, friends, and family. And a bunch of us decided that this was the opportunity to expand the sport, to offer it to more people. And that's when Dragons Alive was started, which is open to a wider, which is basically open to anyone over age 18. And ironically, we just moved two years ago and we are now in the same arena as Hope in the Boat. So that's kind of fun to have us both at the same place. Yes. Yeah, so tell us with just two times in the boat, <laughs> which isn't a lot, <laughs> and you thought you were just doing it for a one-time experience, what made you go to that program in Florida? What was it about those two times in the boat that made such an impact? I've never been a team player. I've always liked solitary sports. But dragon boating has a couple of special things. One is that you have a intensely demanding learning curve in terms of learning the stroke. It's fun, but it's a challenge, and it's a personal challenge. You and your body and your brain trying to figure it out. But on the other hand, it has probably one of the most intensely team-oriented aspects to it because the secret to dragon boating is that you all have to be exactly in sync. Each paddle, ha all the paddles go into the water at exactly the same time, and they all come out of the water at exactly the same time. So that I don't think there's any other sport where you have to be quite so coordinated. So you have the intensely personal, but you have the intensely team-oriented aspect to it. And I just thought that was a – and the other thing that I love about it is you're never too old. You can, they now have a senior D. It goes senior A, senior B, senior C, senior D is 70 and over. So no one's ever going to tell you you can't do it because you're too old. And it's, it's liberating. It's wonderful. I mean, we paddle with all different ages and that's fun. But the idea that, that it's for everyone uh, is really special. Yeah, that's amazing to think of you know, 70 and older as a category. That's great. Um, I'm in that category myself. So just how does this fit in with the rest of your life? I understand it makes a lot of sense, I think, for Anna, because you run a fitness business, right? But yes. you... Uh, Louisa, you're an art professor, is that right? Yes. I Just teach art. I'm a college professor. I'm at, I teach art history at Union College. Um, I, I'm not quite sure how it fits in, but um, <laughs> it, becomes, it becomes a bit of an obsession. And I love being outdoors. Uh, being on the river is beautiful. It's also taught me a lot about getting along with other people. I mean, I'm teaching because that's what I do, but t being on a team is different. 
And I found it both challenging and also rewarding in ways that I had ignored for most of my life. So, and I have to say that it's been, Anna joined us a couple of years ago, and it's been wonderful to have, uh, aside from the fact that she's my daughter, uh, because she is a, a well-trained personal trainer, she can talk about body mechanics and explain things to people in a way that, that I can't. So I, I think we're a pretty good team in that way. Uh, and that's made it even more interesting for me. So tell us both of, both of you about what it's like to coach I, I'm assuming a lot of the athletes are maybe first time doing this kind of thing or just what what does it consist of just uh, sort of a day in the life of a coach are you out on the water um you know like in a boat with a megaphone or are you on the shore or just kind of walk us through what a practice is like go ahead sure um <clears throat> well i think as far as the new people i'll say that Usually if they're coming to the second practice, it means that they're hooked. Um, and a lot of the time in my experience with both teams that I've been on, it has a lot less to do with the actual paddling and more to do with the companionship and the just sort of camaraderie between the people um, that always really draws them in. And the, the paddling seems to sort of be secondary, at least for a little while. Um, so that's really important for us to kind of foster that kind of um, environment. So, but people will come um, to the marina and, you know, catch up and get ready and do what, sign in and do all that sort of stuff. And then we'll cover announcements. And then I run a pretty extensive warm up for the team. Um, and then we just grab our stuff, go down to the water, hop in, and then we paddle for about an hour on, um, the Mohawk, which is quite beautiful. Um, we're both mom and I are very experienced with paddling on Lake Champlain, which is almost like the ocean. Um, it's quite tricky, but on the Mohawk, usually the, the water's like glass and there's lots of wildlife nature. It's quite beautiful. You get to see the sunset. So, and it's, you know, it's just a chance. It's really fun. It's just, um, and I think team sports are sort of growing in the U.S. like something like pickleball. I think I would probably say 70%, I don't know, this is arbitrary, of the people who decide to do it are probably not as concerned with the actual racket and hitting the ball as more of just being in part of community. And so this is this kind of the same thing. Um, you know, we're all stuck in a boat together. Um and it's really fun. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And then, you know, we have small goals throughout the season. We pick um, festivals, which is considered a, a competition, basically, but we call them festivals. Um, so for sort of mini goals throughout the, the season. So we might travel to Hartford, Connecticut or Montreal um, and get some racing experience. Um, and usually as we grow, I think we'll eventually go to having a, a little bit more of a competitive team and have a recreational team um, just so we can be all inclusive, but it's really fun. And it's a chance, like, like my mom was saying, you know, a lot of people don't 
feel like they can be athletic or be on a team or be an athlete past a certain age, because there's obviously, as we all know, a lot of ageism um, in our culture. So it's really nice to open that door for people. Um, It gives them a chance to be to be athletes and then find that camaraderie. And it's pretty fun. Well, I think especially in this era where so many of us are isolated with our work in our cubicles in front of our screens and so many of the social organizations that used to exist have just fallen by the wayside. So what a, what a great thing to get together like that. But are you in the boat as you're coaching? Are you paddling? Are you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, The the coaches, um, it depends on, we've gone out of our way in the last few years to train more people to steer the boat. And now we have a, ser- a bunch of certified tri- uh, steers people. And that's scary at first, and you need good balance to do it. But we've had to teach ourselves t- to steer. But we can go out in the stern and steer, or we can have one of our steers people do the steering, and we step in the front and run the practice from the front. And does it is it similar to crew that you have one person who's in crew, it's called the stroke, that sets the yes. rhythm and sets the timing and people. Yeah. And tell me about the drummer. How how does someone learn to be the drummer? And what, what I'm used to like a coxswain that would, you know, set the pace and take it up verbally uh, with commands. But how tell us about I the think- drumming. Um, the name is misleading because, in fact, the way you've described the cox in rowing is very much what a real drummer is like in dragon boating because we don't even drum in practice. We don't even have the drum in the boat uh, because we want people to learn the stroke and to learn the timing by being sensitive to everything in the boat, other people, the sound, the feel, without having an artificial aid to make everybody paddle the same way. Paddling on the drum is required in races, but we don't use it any other time. So what a drummer really is about is about learning the team, learning strategy, learning how the different parts of the boat in terms of the people work. The back paddlers are different from the ones in the middle who are different from the strokes in the front. Learning all the strategy, learning all the calls, that's what being a drummer is really about. And so do you specifically train certain people who want to take on that role to do that role? Is that how that works? Or do people rotate through different different I think roles? That's our goal. We haven't gotten there yet. We're not big enough. Mostly it's coaches and it's mostly me because Anna's usually paddling in stroke and now in a race and I'm a drummer we'd like to get to the point over the next couple of years where we actually start to train drummers and a captain who for some reason doesn't isn't able to paddle let's say they have a shoulder injury or something or wants to be around the sport but just for whatever reason can't actually paddle so that's what we're looking for in the future I think and you mentioned also, or maybe Anna did in the future, you hope to kind of break into two groups, one to be competitive, one to be more recreational. But for now, is it like when you enter these festivals that you said are really competitions, uh, is it winning a major focus or how, how does that work? What are the festivals like? Go ahead, Anna, do you want to? Um, yeah, I think that 
we're sort of rebuilding the team. I think that you'd be hard pressed to find a, a Dragon Boat team throughout the U.S. or anywhere that's not rebuilding post pandemic. Um, so you sort of just have to kind of have your goals, set them a little bit looser when you're trying to um, accommodate a smaller group of people. But yeah, we we're there to win. I mean, everybody wants to win a race, right? But right now we're just sort of working on getting our more experienced paddlers, more racing experience. And then the newer people um, just kind of used to paddling in the boat and the whole system. Um, So, yeah, we definitely work on certain distances that we do in races. We do that. We work on those in practices. And so it's very it's a concentrated practice. It's not just a free for all. But um, yeah, we use those. I think even in something that I'm involved, like fitness, you just it's easier to compartmentalize and have little mini goals. So we usually use those festivals as a way to become better, better paddlers and um, better coaches, too. We just paddled in the Waterford Festival, which is actually just basically a community festival, which means lots of people want to raise funds for a cause and they get together and form teams and nobody's ever paddled before. And it's a great way to spread knowledge of the sport. It's not competitive for obvious reasons, but the, uh, the two local clubs, Dragons Alive and Hope in the Boat, both went to the festival and we have before. But this year we decided that we weren't going to paddle for medals or any or the bling. Um, we were just going to do it for exhibition for our own training, our own first year paddlers. And um, we did very well, but and we paddle all the time so we expected to do have better times so that's an example of a kind of a train a festival is a training experience but we're going to hartford in august and that's going to be that's a bigger festival it's more competitive the distances are longer so that's going to be a real introduction to the big time as it were (laughs) Yeah. Well, are these festivals, when I was reading up in China, they seem like genuine festivals where they have special rice food. And uh, do they have like a festival atmosphere or is it what, what what are the festivals themselves like? It depends. Hartford is put on, has a, a great deal of the sort of Asian component to it in terms of food and special events. But a lot of them don't. Um, and the whole sport is organized at the regional, national, and international level. And if you go to a, a certified festival, you can earn points to go on to the next level. So it can get quite serious from that point of view. But they're always fun because everybody has a tent, you know, and everybody's they, you're next to other teams and you all mix it up and race against each other and get to know one another. So they're fun regardless of the whether or not you're racing for points. And tell us about the boats. I read somewhere there's something called an eye-dotting ceremony to awaken <laughs> the dragon. Are your boats painted or what, what, what do they look like? And how do you get them? Who builds them? Um, who builds them? There are, there are a few pretty decently big manufacturers worldwide. Um, they cost a fortune. <laughs> They're about 40 feet long, um, fiberglass and wood. Um, they're quite heavy. And um, <clears throat> there's now also a 10-person division. Um, 
sort of growing in um, both Canada and the U.S. and Europe. And the eye dotting ceremony specifically, it's so they try. I think they try to honor the history of the sport. Um, so that's why things like you know, a pretty decently big festival will have an eye dotting ceremony. And it has to do with older traditions that I'm now sort of forgotten about, but um, it's, you know, it's tied into for the, the Chinese culture It's tied into um, crops and um, festivals sort of honoring various gods to give them, you know, profitable crops and and things like that so this is sort of this ties into an old ceremony but it has something to do with that and i'm actually embarrassed to say i don't remember but um and that also the the drumming part of it is is also our way of honoring um the tradition because that in in china they do have drummers i'm not sure if they always use them in practices i would imagine not always but same as us um but that is what i it's required in races and we don't have the dragon heads attached to our boat. Most of the time Um, you'll see in in a lot of American boats that they'll have some sort of design on the side of the boat and then their name, the team name. Um, And then in certain ceremonies or races, if you use your own um, boat, or if you have, um, you hire a company to bring their own boats, they always attach the head. And then the and the tail and those are painted so those are special you don't leave them on all the time because they, they get ruined by weather yeah uh, so they're only for special occasions so if someone's listening and wants to join your group um you know wants to become one of the dragon alive paddlers what what would they do how would they initiate this uh, the best way is to email us. Um, we're in the middle of fixing up our website, which is dragonsalive.org. So that's not quite finished, but we're on Anna, Anna knows the name of the Instagram account. Uh, all you need to do is email capitalregiondb at gmail.com. That's capital with an A, capitalregiondb at, at gmail.com. And I'll give... Um, my other email address as well, because we're, that's that's a brand new one. So I want to make sure people can reach us. And that's Matthew L at union dot edu. That's mine with two T's, Matthew. Um, either way, uh, we always welcome new people, even toward the end of the season. And um, we have and then in June, we always have try it Tuesdays where you can come for free, try the whole experience twice uh, before you decide whether or not you want to join the team. And those get, will get announced months before they actually start so people can plan. So we welcome people anytime. And we also supply life vests and um, paddles for anybody who needs those. People who join the team, usually after a year, they've already invested in their own paddles because the, there are very good paddles there, uh, we have wooden ones which are heavy, but um, people want to go to the lighter weight, more and the inevitably a little bit more expensive paddles. Good to know. And our time has gone so fast, but one of my many questions I didn't get to that I really need to is what is it like to be a mother and daughter working together on this? <laughs> you want to go first, Anna? <laughs> Well, it's really, it's special. It's, it's pretty neat. I love, um, 
I don't think I realized at the beginning when she asked me if, if I minded if she joined the Burlington team, I said, of course not. Um, I don't, I don't think I really thought about how cool it would be to do something like this together. And I never thought we would be coaching together. Um, but it's also cool for me to see my mom get a chance to be an athlete, um, you know, and to believe that she, she's not past that or, you know, that we have, we tend to do that in our culture and how there's so much ageism and it's so great um, seeing her fall in love with it. And she's subsequently gotten my, uh, my aunt. So her sister involved in it. So it's really a family affair. Um, and it's been really, it's been really fun. It's been, um, yeah, it's been great. She's put her heart and soul into the team. And um, so I'm just kind of following in her footsteps in that regard. Um, but it's been it's been really fun. And it provides for, for some comic relief in the boat as well. Yeah. <laughs> when, she tells, when she tells me I talk too much, which is actually true. So I've learned some things about myself just because Anna's in a position to say, hey, mom. You know, and, and she does it nicely, but and then the team gets a kick out of the out of the banter between us. Um, I'd like to see us a large enough team so that we can have two boats going at the same time and having two coaches is really valuable because we may be mother and daughter, but we're very different and we have different approaches. And as I said before, Anna with body mechanics and, and more extensive, even more extensive racing experience than I have can offer things that I can't. And then we can switch people back and forth. And I meant to give um, Anna um, Anna's email address as well, because you can email that as, so maybe you could, give that because i always forget it sure yeah it's the letter b followed by well and fit at gmail.com i love that email address <laughs> be well and fit yes be well and, fit. <laughs> um, and also the instagram handle is um dragons alive paddling and there's a link there to um the website so that's another way to find us well, I have learned so much and I'm so inspired both by your enthusiasm, which is palpable for the sport, but also for your love of each other. It's just been <laughs> wonderful to watch. Do you have any closing thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with either of you? Um, Go yeah, ahead. Just to not be, you know, to come out and try something new. Um, there are so many people who've been, who just said, you know, I had no idea what this was or what to expect. And I showed up and just found this amazing community of people and this chance to be out on the water and really enjoy what little of summer we have here in the Northeast. Um, so it's been a really positive experience for, I'd say, most people that come out and do it. And so um, and please, we'd love to have you as well come out and try it anytime. <laughs> I think it's also, I think people who never thought of, Anna touched on this earlier, people who never thought of themselves as athletes have turned into athletes. Some of them have done it at the age of 60 or the age of 70 or the age of 50, whatever it is, and along with the younger people. And it's, it then sends you to places like the gym or fitness training of one kind or another. And that has really gotten people to move to get more physically fit. And I think it's had an impact on their lives in that sense too. Absolutely. 